He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to be silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 64 of a Good Talk Spoil Golf podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week by Barry O'Hanran. Hey Barry. Hey James. No Will this week, but uh, we do have a special guest coming on later on. Uh, Bobby is going to grace us with his presence live from the US. Yep, it's great. Um, it's good to have Bobby back, you know. He always brought those extra level of stats to the show, I'm going to mention it. Uh, we always mention it with that Bob and we try our best to bring it in but he, he has a unique way of doing it and he, he got to visit Harding Park and play it in January so it'll be great to, to have his take on it. Well, that's coming up shortly but I suppose uh, if anybody has any views or opinions that they want to get in touch with us, uh, Twitter is probably the easiest at podcast GTS or the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com and uh, Barry... You over the weekend, we played in horrendous weather over the weekend, um, but uh, it wasn't all doom and gloom for you when the results eventually, after about four days, uh, came out. You uh, picked up second and uh, another cut. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Actually, huge credit to yourself. Like when the, the rain came down, I think we were on the 7th, and it, just, it was disgusting. It kind of came out of the north, it was freezing cold, and after about two holes, we were both a bit pissed off, and... You just said, I'll oh, keep the head down, keep plugging away. These are the days you pick up the easy vouchers and everyone else gives up. And uh, that kind of kept me going for the rest of the round. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was, it was really the, the last four holes for you um, yeah. was where you picked it up. You uh, you birdied the, uh, you had a bit of problem on 13, 14. They were both fine. into the teeth of the wind. And then, uh, and then 15, you had an eagle opportunity on 15. Yeah. Birdied on. that. Yeah. Yeah, you got up and down fairly nicely on 16 for a par mm. and then you were in the bunker right on 17 and one way to, to hurry up and get us back into the clubhouse was to chip in from the bunker on the right that was nice. for a birdie and then parred the last so uh, and that got you to the 37 points which was, yeah, was, was pretty handy tantalisingly close to single figures which has been a lifelong ambition. what are you now off? Uh, 9.7 uh, and your father was once a single handicapper wasn't he? Back. Yeah, back back before we had to so start. You won't, you won't be the first O'Hanrahan to single figures. No, no. Um, so I, I don't really mind. It's it's always been something I wanted to get to. So it's uh, it's there within reach. And at the very least, or at the very worst, I have multiple opportunities before I slip back to eleven to have a go trying to get to nine. Yeah, it's been a good few weeks, and uh, and, and and well done. Um, We've actually got out. I've probably played more golf over the last two weeks than I thought I was going to get at all between practicing for the Pierce Purcell, which I'll talk about yeah. in a couple of weeks' time, but between that and just getting out for the Thursdays and the weekends. Um, We've some match plays come up as well. I had my match, my first round of my singles match yesterday. Um, I shot 82 gross, which is one over my handicap, and I got beaten two and one. So... You know, your man played very well. Um, had a couple of opportunities in places that didn't quite play the best shots, but um, overall, I mean, if if somebody, you know, if I shoot that kind of in a match play situation and so you well, get he just beaten, beat then you, just, he just beat you, yeah, just had to, one of those you know. rounds. Um, so it's disappointing because you know it's match play is brutal. It's one and done. That's it. So I have to wait till next year now. So, well, yeah, um, well, we've we our team ones. Yeah, um, I have to. Uh, I have to stop making mistakes. I'm striking the ball really well, but I've ended up every couple of holes. Like even on, even when we were playing, was it Sunday? Whatever day it was that we played, and uh, I went from par to double bogey, par double bogey, par double bogey, mm. and I pretty much that was what I did for pretty much the whole of the round, which just sucked uh, significantly. But if I can just get rid of the mistakes. Um, I, I I said this to you a few weeks ago. I thought there was a kind of a forty plus pointer just around the corner, and I still mm. feel it's tantalisingly close. Like President's Prize next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be a nice place to do it. All right. Um, Will continues his Thursday form and a second place. So we just I think he's kind of, kind of on a Jordan Speed like run on Thursdays. 
second, first, first, second or something along those lines. Yeah, but let's not give him too much credit. He isn't here, so we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a tweet in during the week from somebody asking whether or not I had the stats in terms of my putter. Um, as the listeners from a few weeks ago will have heard, I got fitted down in four golf and they put an Odyssey Works Tank Versa two ball fang putter counterbalance with a super stroke grip <sighs> into my hand. Um, in other I, words, a fancy looking putter that doesn't yeah, business. Well, <clears throat> I suppose there's a couple of things about it. One, I've, I've had a much better kind of look at exactly, well, I've ha- had been playing with it now for the last couple of weeks. Um, there's like a mesh at the front of the white hot, which is meant to give more stability and more distant con- distance control. The two ball obviously is great for the alignment and I have to say I agree with that like I had a two ball a couple of years ago and going back to the two ball I'm starting to wonder why I ever went away from the two ball and then I had been playing a saber tooth and a t-run more recently and it obviously has the fangs as well but it's the weight that's the difference and I was looking at the head weights for the saber tooth and odyssey that I was playing was 350 grams T-ROM, which is the one that you currently have, mm. is actually coming in at 355 grams. But the normal Odyssey Works Versa 2-Ball Fine is 360, but the one that I have is coming in at over 380 grams. So it's it's a much heavier um, putter head. The only difference in all of them is the lie and the loft are the same. That's a 70 degree in the lie angle and 3 degree on the loft. But it's actually the... Um, the, the length of the putter was cut down for me, down from 35 down to 33 and a half, mm. which they couldn't go any further because of the counterbalance. And okay. The counterbalance obviously has a weight at the top of the grip so that it's just a pendulum yeah. type best. But the grip's quite long, so you can actually get your hands quite far down the putter length itself. Like you're just, a, you're not the tallest person in the world, so you can, it actually suits your body height. You can go right down the, the grip. It's not like, well, all the counterbalance, all yeah. counterbalance putters will have the, the, the longer grip because the idea will be that the top third of that grip, mm. which normally wouldn't be there, and um, so if you're normally playing at 32 or 33, yeah, you have three inches yeah. on, on top of that to have the extra weight. So your hands are kind of effectively um, a bit lower than 32, 33 well, inches. Or... In theory, your your hands should be in the same place they would be on a normal 33-inch putter. Okay. But uh, but it's just that with the extra three inches where the, the counterbalance weight is, it's uh, it looks much obviously thicker. It looks like your hands are further down. Oh, right. um, the Super Stroke Grip, um, the medium one, the one that I have, is is actually fantastic. I thought it was going to take a while to get used to it. Even in the lashings of rain, when I had lost all feel in my hands mm. from about the tenth hole onwards, it was the one club because my hands were completely and utterly useless anyway. In the normal course mm-hmm. of events with that putter, they take them out completely. It actually meant that I was still able to putt yeah, yeah. over Just the cold weather. But uh, but it's been great. I was looking at the stats for the last uh, the last four rounds that I played. I had thirty seven putts. The first time, 36 putts the second time. Third time, I had 30 putts. And I played in Kilkool last, earlier this week, and I had 34 putts. And that was on greens that were kind of unknown to me. Mm. So, uh, but I've, and I've three of those rounds are on greens with hollow, hollow coring done as well. So, you know, you, they got to be taken with a little bit of an asterisk on them. I mean, certainly the ball is rolling so sweetly off that putter face. I can definitely see if there's going to be an awful lot more putts hollowed soon. Well, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It is also a putter that is meant to be even better when the greens are fast. Mm. Um, so hopefully the president's is two weeks' time, and that usually is where they've kind of cut them, rolled them, boned them, and got them right down to the start of the proper summer. Sheets of glass, yeah. So, uh, Speaking so, of knocking shots off, um, Alan Bridges, who won the game golf unit, um, Back before Christmas, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been in touch recently. He's, he's up in Scotland, so the season kind of taking a little bit longer to get going with colder conditions up there. But anyway, he's he's getting out and playing loads, and he says the unit's absolutely fantastic. It's helping him identify areas of his game that need improvement that he never would have considered in the first, you know, without this. And um, obviously, he'd highly recommend it. But for those people who can't afford, I think it's a, it is a couple of hundred euro or a couple of hundred dollars. So mm. it's, a, it's quite an investment for your game. Game Golf now have an app that you can put on your phone, and 
it's a little bit more user input required, but you can track what, you know, your shots exactly the same as the unit would track them automatically. So a little bit more manual input required, but you can still get the, the effectiveness of what their systems give you and, you know, learn about your game. So it's not a nice little, and that's free as well, I believe, which is great. Well, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to get it onto the phones and have a test. I actually went out for the first time up to the driving range a couple of weeks ago with the Zep. Um, oh, yeah. and uh, that goes on the glove to monitor and it's it's fantastic it, very quickly you can see where your mistakes are and what you need to, to get better at mm. tempo is the big problem that has been highlighted for me the last couple of times I've been up just not getting close to the right tempo on it but swing playing and everything else is there or thereabouts so it's actually like that there's some good technology out there mm. For people to be able to see really quickly, very easily. That's not too expensive, does that? That's kind of, that does like the 3D kind of graph of your swing, is there? It does, line yeah, of your swing. yeah, yeah. And uh, you can see where your hands are, and you can see, but it tells you if you're where your swing plane is mm. and uh, hand speed and all the rest. But really, it gives you a very quick on one screen for every shot. Just tells you, and it's all color coded: red, yellow, and green. Mm-hmm. Green obviously being the best, red the worst. And then it rates your shot out of 100. So it tells you 84, 85, 90. So you know where abouts it is. But it's, it's, it's brilliant like that. And like what Alan was saying, I think with some technology, it just gives everybody an ability to look at, ah, that's, that's where I'm going wrong. Mm-hmm. Rather than necessarily just be banging balls around the place, it, you can start identifying what, what the weaknesses are. And um, moving on to the news, the, I suppose the, the real big news this week is that Tiger has eventually come clean as to what his plans are for the summer. Um, and he's announced that his schedule really from now to kind of the beginning of August is going to be the Players' Championship Jacks Tournament, which is the Memorial, on June 4th to 7th. The US Open he's going to play at. The Green Bearer Classic, which is a bit of a strange one, still kind of question marks over how that or why that got into the, the schedule. The British Open, he's going to come and play uh, 16th uh, to the 19th of July. And then the Quicken Loans National in July 30th to August 2nd. Now, he hasn't released beyond that, um, which obviously doesn't include the last major of the year. The uh, the Sorry, the PGA, but uh, the PGA Championship. But um, it looks like he's going to kind of set it out and see where he is after that. That, that mm-hmm. group of tournaments and uh, do you notice his schedule doesn't include the dates the week of the Irish Open just thrown out a possibility you never know Rory and, Rory and Tiger Nike stable mates well they still in fairness there's quite a lot of uh, gaps on, the, yeah, yeah. on that schedule so. just the Irish one just <laughs> thrown it out there I'm sure they could probably say the same about you know uh, some other tournaments but yeah. you know I, I, there is rumours going around we know we brought them to you a couple of weeks ago we don't know. I think it will all depend, really depend on, I suppose, the Players' Championship might be a good indication. If he feels he's in a good place, he might mm. might want to come over. If not, um, you know, the only thing is he is playing the following week in the Memorial. So he might decide not to travel for the two. But sure, we'll wait and see. Obviously, Tiger, if you're interested, come over. And uh, give us an interview. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll bring him out for a practice round or something as well. Yeah, we'll take him up to Glen of the yeah. Downs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see how, see that course record get absolutely annihilated. Yeah, turn into a pitch and book course. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, so look, uh, that's, that's that bit of news. And I suppose that was one of the bigger bits. And um, there's a few other bits of news. And um, Anthony Kim um, has been spotted this week out in Vegas uh, playing in one of the, um, uh, professional poker uh, player tournaments over there. Anthony Kim, as everyone has known, has gone through a lot of difficulties over the last couple of years and uh, hasn't played golf at all. He's still deciding whether or not to take a, an insurance payout and retire, or whether and and hence can't then play again, or whether as or a not professional. He's, as a professional, yeah. it's an amazing story. If anyone hasn't go get onto the internet and just go find a couple of articles. I think it's on golf.com about him. Just a fascinating story and. I think ultimately it boils down to he'll get a huge payout over ten million net, but if he chooses to go back on tour as a pro, they're they're estimating he'd, he's going to need to earn something close to like twenty five thirty million between prize money and endorsements to cover you know between taxes and all to cover what that ten million would be. So I get it's that's a big choice to make, and 
Yeah. I'm sure he can go back to being an amateur. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, like, it just depends on what his expectations are and what he wants. Mm. Like, obviously, he'll be able to live very comfortably on the payout and at the same time, yeah. you know, I, I suppose it will depend on whether or not he can continue to earn. But uh, we wish him the best because it's 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 a shame to see such a good talent um, go the way that Anthony Kim has gone. Um, the only other interesting news, and I suppose the other sporting event this week that everybody's probably got their um, eyes on, is the Mayweather and Pacquiao fight out in Las Vegas. Uh, very few, if any, tickets went actually on sale for the fight. I think um, there's six and a half public. tickets, maybe. Um, and most of most of the tickets are now changing hands in excess of a hundred thousand mm. um, dollars on the internet. But interestingly, two people who do have tickets for this week is Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. And uh, Rory faces, obviously, if he gets to the quarterfinals of the match play this week, he will be expected to probably still be roughly on course at around 7.30 in the evening. And he'll then have to hightail it from there after his commitments to his private plane, 20 minutes away from the course, to get to Vegas. Mm. And uh, interestingly, he came out this week and said, Oh, if the start, if, and this is a quote, uh, nothing that a few quick birdies won't change. I could try and win at seven and six. If the fight starts at maybe 10 o'clock like they usually do, then I should be okay. And then the, the comment on the, the report says, well, that would be fine, except the fight is supposed to start somewhere between 8 p.m. and 8.30. It's probable, probable that McElroy has got the time zones mixed up again, just like he did in the 2012 Ryder Cup. <laughs> Um, Jordan Spieth came out and said he uh, he does have a ticket. He might see uh, Rory there, but that his first priority is the match play. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think Rory's seats are probably very close to ringside, which means that if he misses it, it'll be an extremely expensive um, event to miss. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably about 15 people underneath Rory McIlroy that if he doesn't go, that ticket's being handed to the next near celebrity yeah. and down and down. But... Um, it would be interesting to see whether or not what kind of attitude he takes on uh, Saturday uh, round his quarterfinals if he gets there. I'd say somewhere in the midway through the front nine, he'll kind of have an idea about which way the game is going to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought actually I saw this earlier in the week. Paula Creamer's been calling for a women's masters kind of to happen maybe the week after the guys' event. I thought that'd be a really cool thing to see, like the Augusta being used in a different context other than the men's masters, which is the only time we see it. Well, I've always thought that there's a, there would be an argument for having the women's uh, majors the week after on the same course, a bit mm. like the uh, I think the, the, the kind of the British Senior Open takes place the following week directly after. So there's a bit of oomph going on. Yeah, um, yeah. but not always on the same course. Now, not not yeah, always on the same they course. They synchronise it up a bit better. Yeah, it would kind of help help golf as a brand or as a sport itself. I think it, I think it'd be a cool thing to see. Um, I. Who knows how many years it'll take to happen if it ever does. Well, if we're throwing out ideas, um, I would still like that the seniors do a Ryder Cup where you can have the likes of your Nick Faldas and your Rory, uh, and your Callum Montgomery's and all these guys the play against classics. basically the old guys, the guys mm. that we all grew up with. I don't see why they couldn't play a Ryder Cup type event between the idea. US and the European Tour. And it will get just as much. You basically the Masters Ryder Cup tournament mm. and I just think that uh, you know to see Bernhard Langer Nick Faldo you know Ian Woosom these guys teeing it up against the big names from the past over in America I like it that would uh, now that's that's my million dollar uh, idea so anybody steals it I'll uh, I'll go sue them Copy you'll, you'll be very, you'll be very angry Peyton <laughs> <Hayden laughs> pending yeah. moving on to the last week's events I guess yeah, and I suppose swinging uh, skirts, the LPGA Classic presented by CTBC was uh, successfully defended by Lydia Ko, who, uh, who really just uh, put the foot down again. Um, and uh, Barry, you had a quick look at this. Uh, I got to see the highlights, yeah. Um, the, Bobby was actually there as well last week. He sent us a few little videos and kind of comments on, on, on the event. Um, on Viber kind of over the week and he just said like it was really impressive to see you know the ball flight of all the girls is all very similar like arrow straight and he said this was in windy conditions as well he said he was watching on a Nordqvist play and on the range he said the wind was quite strong maybe like 15-20 miles an hour he said she was just hitting ball after ball after ball that just wasn't being touched 
I kind of said if you did a uh, pro tracer on her ball flight, the the down flight of the ball tracer would be the you know on the same line as the up flight. He said it was just amazing. Mm. Um, he said it was playing quite tough there because it was cold. Um, so the ball's not flying as far. Cold for San Francisco, which is still about twelve or fifteen degrees Celsius. But um, you know there was a bit of wind as well. It's a tree lined course and quite tricky. So that's why the scores weren't. Um, really, really high, and the girls were saying it played kind of like a major. So you know, minus eight was the total that got them into a playoff. Lydia Coe and Morgan Pressel. Um, Pressel had a couple of chances to win. She had a fifteen footer for the win in regulation, and uh, she had a ten footer then for the win on the first playoff hole, and then she missed an eight footer for birdie on the second playoff hole, which was a pretty poor putt. She pulled it, and you could see straight away she was very annoyed, which opened the door for Lydia Coe to roll in five footer at a very very good pace to she really just looked so confident over it and just fired it into the middle of the hole and um, I think it's her 11th win in three years second win of the year on the LPGA Tour yeah and uh, and in fairness it was great to see Morgan Pressel back up there competing um, she's somebody that I've, I've liked to watch quite a lot and uh, she came out and said afterwards and I thought this was fairly magnanimous of her um, she said she's, uh, and this is in relation to Lydia Ko, she's very, very impressive and always there. At her age, she plays with so much poise and calmness. I don't think you see from other kids her age. I guess she's not really a kid anymore. Sorry. Um, Lydia Ko being 18, like she's going to dominate that sport for quite some time. And this, perhaps she could be the real deal where perhaps Michelle Wee, who had been kind of earmarked as the person who was really going to just dominate the ladies tour. Mm. It looks like Lydia Ko is the person who's going to really be that. Yeah, it's, a fun, it's funny with the women's tour. You've got a lot of superstar that's come up early and they flatter to deceive and you think they're going to dominate for many years and they just kind of fall off the, don't fall off the radar, but they don't quite want to dominate as much as you would have expected them to. So I um, just get the impression that Lydia Ko might be special. that, that, that person. I, what I hope for Lydia Ko's sake is that she doesn't get her head turned by coming to, you know, the men's tour and getting these invites like Michelle Wee did and kind of the idea of, oh, will she be the first female mm. to get through and all that kind of stuff. Enjoy what she's doing, win some tournaments and do exhibitions by all means, but, mm. you know, kind of just focus on where the bread and butter is. And um, talking about bread and butter, uh, Lee Westwood win one of the first playoff hole. Um, over at the Indian uh, Indonesian Masters, and uh, he previously won this event in 2011 and 2012, and uh, it seemed like he he kind of stumbled over the line in the end, but uh, just about got there. Yeah, picked up a I'm sure sizable appearance fee. You know, I doubt the Indonesian Open is high on his list of I must get to this event, um, but over he went, won it again for the third time, and a little bit of confidence going into this week. Yeah, and that's, I suppose, uh, you look back at, say, poor Carrington, you know, he went down, won a tournament, it's getting the win, it's mm-hmm. getting the W, and it's, uh, you know, where it goes from there, so. Yeah, win is a win, no matter how, whether it's a small little competition, midweek competition for, for us as amateurs, or, you know, one of the big stroke events on a Saturday, a win is a win, you always feel great after it, and it gives you confidence. Well, that's it, and I suppose somebody who's probably walking on air right now over on the European tour is uh, Wu Ashu who became the first Chinese player to win a European tour event on home soil as he held off a spirited challenge from England's David Howell at the Volvo China Open. 29-year-old shot a closing 71 at the Thompson Shanghai Golf Club to finish on 9 under par for the week, one shot ahead of Howell, who missed an 8-foot par putt on the last, which would have forced a playoff. Uh, Wu, who primarily plies his trade on the Japanese tour, uh, has now exempt status for the European and said it was a wonderful day. I have to say, I saw the last couple of hours of this and uh, it looked like David Howe was going to just keep on going and just get over the line. But I saw uh, Wu Wu Shu standing on the practice screen, just kind of knocking putts, just keeping calm. And then mm. all of a sudden he heard the cheer and the groans and just kind of went, what? What did he miss it? Fully Bogey. <laughs> fully expected a playoff today. And he and he should have. And he sh- it should have gone to a playoff. In truth, mm. um, you know, David Howell didn't didn't play the last particularly great. Left himself. He really raced. I suppose. Let's be fair to David Howell. As we all are at times, you're between. Do you 
touch it up to the hole and go to the playoff mm. or do you try and win it outright and he tried to win it outright and he ended up putting it eight foot past and, and missed the one back hard to say that it's it's the right choice or the wrong choice I suppose it's the wrong choice now that he didn't get to the playoff but you know wasn't won't have regrets though if you know because he gave it a run at it and at least he got it you know, got it to the hole I suppose the adrenaline just for you know pushed him into whacking an eight foot past yeah, look, it's it it was it was a decent finish to the t- tournament, and mm. there was a few other. I suppose Alex Levey, he uh, he had a very good week. He was defending um, in relation to it, and you know he finished two shots off the lead. But again, he kind of was there thereabouts for pretty much all of the week. Uh, Roman Wattel from uh, Wattel from France, like there was a man who every so often he got so close. To, to competing and then just disappeared back down the leaderboard. Um, Peter Ulan, another good week uh, for him, tied eight, uh, tied eighth um, at, at minus four. And uh, it was, to be fair, it was a decent enough tournament, and uh, you know, not one that necessarily is going to to be remembered for too long, but uh, one that was interesting enough. Um, over in the states, however, and I think that this will be remembered uh, long in the memory of Justin Rose who won on uh, 22 under after shooting 69, 66, 65, 66 to win by one by Cameron Triangle Triangle, uh, and Boo Weekly at 20 under uh, German Herman Jim Herman was uh, 19 (laughs) under and Jason Day was 19 under I really should read my notes better than this Um, did you see much of this, Barry? I this was a lot of stop-start mm. competition. There was there was lightning, there was rain, there was this, there was that. It just every time you were, I was turning on the TV, it was saying play suspended. Yeah, here's here's some highlights for a tournament you don't really care about. Yeah. 2009. Um, I or, didn't actually or the Indonesian Masters. Yeah, I didn't actually get involved in this tournament until kind of the weekend. And the delays kind of turned me off, even hunting it out on TV and. Um, so, but Saturday and Sunday, Sunday I definitely picked up a huge amount of it and watched it all the way. And Justin Rose was just, you know, there was thirty holes to play on Sunday. He was super impressive. What did he do? Some did some serious stats this week. He was bogey free for his last sixty six holes. Now it's an easy enough golf course, but that's still very impressive. Mm. Um, he had forty six out of fifty six fairways for the week. You know, fifty four greens out of seventy two in regulation. He only failed to get up and down when he missed the green on two occasions, and that let you know he had one bogey and one double bogey for the week. So it's, uh, it shows that he's not just. Um, I think he was saying this in his in his interviews that he's happy that he's showing he's not just a grinder on really difficult courses. That he can go out and play a different style of golf, which is going birdie hunting and going really low. And I think it's just it's, it's another string to his bow. Um, is it or arrow to his boat whatever the phrase is uh, it was very impressive uh, Cameron Tringali came up very close he had an eagle chip on the last uh, which came up 18 inches short so that would have tied Rose but um, yeah very impressive performance um, and a good kickstart to the year that started really slowly for Rose with some very poor performances yeah and we spoke a couple of weeks ago with um our good friend Steve Bamford and uh, we were kind of saying to him beforehand well you, you called Justin Rose weeks and weeks ago are you still still backing him and he kind of sat on the fence a bit and said well probably not really had a great week obviously at the yeah. Masters and uh, he's, he's continuing it on right now but he, he, it's not like he showed much to make anyone positive about him going into the Masters you know either so uh, it's 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 good to see I like I like Justin Rose you know he's a he's a nice guy on tour he kind of you could see even when he was probably Probably knew he had it won, and sh- maybe, sh- but maybe should have been on the practice screen. He was off signing autographs. He was doing like photos with kids. He's sponsored, or he's an ambassador for Zurich, so um, he was really kind of fulfilling the ambassador role at the Zurich Classic. Well, no, I think I think it's great for Justin, um, and uh, he's definitely somebody whose odds must be tumbling for the rest of the majors this year because if he keeps going the way he's going, yeah. there's definitely a, a, another. Close major, if not really, really, really likely mm. that he's going to start adding to them. Jason Day, not so great. Won't be too happy with himself. From no. a great position and uh, led after 54 holes and dropped another 54 hole lead. Well, is he becoming the Jim Furyk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I suppose it's, it's hard at the same time where 
you go out and you shoot 69 on the last day and kind of mm. say it's a, it's a bad round. Um, you know, Justin Rose went out and shot a phenomenal, you know, six under and there was a couple of like Boo Weekly had seven under. But it's hard to say that, you know, Jason Day at minus three for the final day had a bad day. It just wasn't necessarily great good enough. Yeah. And, you know, he missed the opportunity. You know, it's a top five finish for him. And um, Eric Compton probably uh, is somebody who might be ruining uh, the weekend as well. You know, he was he was leading after what day one and was there thereabouts in day two and then just kind of trailed off. But you see, the one thing I feel sorry for these guys is that it's hard to say day one and day two, day three or day four because some of them were going back in at seven thirty in the morning mm. to finish pretty much the the whole of the se- uh, their third round, and then they were turning around and starting straight away on their. Fourth round, twenty so, minute break. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those tournaments that I think, um, you know, where a guy comes to the to the course on the Sunday at half seven to play his third round and his fourth round, and was the guy who was going to have the momentum on Sunday rather than necessarily the guy over the, the four days. Yeah, have a hot um, Sunday. Yeah, look, I mean, it's 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 a men- mentally very tough day, you know, playing thirty holes of competitive golf after a, a week of kind of delays. So. Uh, but look, Justin Rose and Cameron Tringali, you know, they um, they stood up the best for the test, and Rose just a little bit ahead of him. Boo Weekly had a great week. Yeah, uh, it's good to see Boo back. Um, always seems Ooh. seems to just love that kind of southern, um, those you know, southern US tournaments. You know, with that kind of uh, Louisiana vibe. Yeah, seems, to, seems to feel right at home there. You know, there was uh, look, it it it's. It was a good tournament. It just was annoying to watch at our end on the basis that every time we were just about to settle in and watch a bit, it seemed to go. But yeah. um, well done to Justin Rose. Well deserved. Great to see another European win over on the uh, the US tour, which is always nice. And um, I suppose with that, I, I, I suppose we should uh, say hello to Bobby uh, from over in the States. Bobby, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. We've missed you a lot and all your stats and data. Um, we've been trying our best to replace you with a little bit of our own knowledge, but uh, to be honest, it hasn't been the same since. Uh, how are you getting on over in San Francisco, California? Uh, getting on great, yeah. Um, here about a month at this stage, so we're starting to get settled down. Uh, or settled in, I should say. Yeah, uh, my wife kind of got to work and there's a few bits and pieces we need to do. We need to get ourselves a place to live and we're trying to try and get cars and stuff like that. Um, just everything you'd expect to do to try and settle into a kind of, uh, you know, it was a new area. But, you know, we're, we're really enjoying it um, and the weather's great and uh, all the, the food and drink is all very good here. So a lot to like. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure you've managed to sneak in a few rounds of golf uh, amongst all the madness of setting up on a new life. The weekends I've been getting in a bit of golf, so I think um, we might have explained it before in one of the previous episodes, but golf is different in the States. There's the private courses that you can join, and the area we're in, so we just, we're just south of San Francisco, about 40 minutes south, we're in an area called Mountain View, which is kind of more or less Silicon Valley, which is where all the your Apples, your Googles, um, eBay and Salesforce and all these companies. So there's a lot of money in the place. So therefore, all the public courses are 300 grand to join. And then you spend another grand a month. At, so it's really expensive to be a, a member of a private course. So the other option, which a lot of 90% of people around here do, is you play public courses. So um, I've been just trying, I've been playing a few of the public courses around and trying to see what's, what's the best. So... I've kind of found one that's about ten minutes drive from the house uh, called Shoreline Golf Club. It's pretty good, yeah. So, uh, so I'm kind of just I've played about three or four times, and I'm starting to do a bit of travel just to see the different courses. One of the great things about having you on this week is that you will be going to Harding Park, and uh, we're hoping to get a few little bits of nuggets of information from you over the weekend. But also, more importantly, you got to play Harding Park in January. Um, tell us a little bit about the course and. You know who you think will go well on it, and what kind of skills they need to uh, to battle their way to WGC title uh, come Sunday. Um, yeah, we were over in January. We came over just to do a bit of a trip here, just to check out everything. You know, things like daycare and stuff like that before we came over. Um, so obviously, I wouldn't come over without having a bit of a, a couple of rounds of golf locally. So I actually played two courses. I played Presidio and I played TPC Harding. Um, Presidio is very similar to the, the course that uh, the ladies played on the weekend in Lake Merced and TPC Harding 
uh, I got to play that as well, and that's kind of quite a typical course for for San Francisco. Uh, quite undulating. The one thing is actually one of the only things I did well that day is actually drove the ball very well. Uh, the thing I found is that it's quite tree. The course is very tree lined, and the the fairways are very clearly outlined. I don't know how the rough has, is going to be. I've been actually just trying to keep an eye on the golf channel in the background, just have a look at the rough. Um, the one thing I found is, well, sorry, on the day, so I drove it quite well, and then when you're coming into the greens in TPC Harding, there's loads of different areas on the greens, and I actually really enjoyed it because they were putting pins, you know, maybe on a, on a plateau or in kind of dangerous areas, and I was only coming in a lot of time from 100 to 140 yards, and I found it very exciting because it was really challenging that, well, if you want to lay up and put it in the center of the green, you can. You want to try and get it close to the flag. Here's an area for you to go, but if you miss, you're screwed. Mm. I went straight for every flag, and of course, missed every single one, which is, <laughs> which is then the bit that I found quite difficult is the grass. And I suppose you hear a lot of betting previews; they talk about the grass in the west coast is different than the grass in the east coast, and grass than what we're used to. And I found it very difficult around the greens to get back to the kind of flags that were kind of well protected. And there's a lot of runoffs around the greens. Um, so I think your short game has been very good and I think somebody who's used to West Coast and the West Coast grass you know the likes of Jimmy Walker and GMAC who obviously won in Pebble Beach uh, those are the kind of guys that you know might kind of do well uh, but yeah I think, the, I think the course I'm not too sure how they set up the rough um, but the other important factors are it's going to be cold quite cold at the weekend kind of like 15, 16 degrees, but it'll feel colder because there'll be a strong breeze. It'll be kind of 20, 25 kilometers an hour. So mm. I have to control your golf ball very well uh, into the greens, and it'll be ideal if you're on the fairway. So I think you should be looking for someone maybe who can hit fairways and uh, is good at controlling kind of, you know, kind of distance control, but then would need to be used to the grass around here. Um, so that's why I think Jimmy Walker probably might be worth a look. I haven't had a look at the groups too much and I've heard, um, without ruining it for other people, I know people, some people listen to it, another pure golf betting podcast and I think they're going for Matsuyama who's, he's someone who's going to find a lot of fairies and he's a fantastic iron player so he's someone who could go quite well. Um, oh, we can give a hot tip to the guys in William Hill. They, I agree, their podcast is fantastic. The two boys always have a great chat and have great information on the show. They, they, yeah, I think they this podcast for Jim, um, <laughs> the other one who I think has been playing great golf, I, think, I know you're a big fan of his, uh, is Ryan Moore. Mm. Uh, he had a very good Masters, and I think was he a top five kind of in the run up to the Masters as well. I think he, uh, I think he hits a lot of fairways, uh, good kind of second shot player as well. So I, he's, I, I might have a couple of dollars on him now. Well, 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 Bob, you'd have never done that if we were sitting beside each other recording this. Like, yeah, he's a bit of a grinder. Yeah, he's the kind of guy you, you'd fancy in match play. He just he looks gritty, you know. He has that kind of GMAC kind of quality about him, I guess. Um, yeah, he has a trickish group. Um, I think he's got Patrick Reed as his as his main uh, partner, but then I think he has Danny Willis and Andy Sullivan, and there too. Players who I think are top class, but I think it's just going to be, it's a bit of a leap for them coming to a WGC event on the West Coast, so I think Ryan Moore might have a chance. The other thing is Patrick Reed obviously is so good in match play, and he's playing pretty well, but I think if Moore can get through uh, against uh, Reed, then he might have a chance uh, getting into knockouts, because as you say, he could grind people down, you know. And do you think it'll be a good match play course? Do you think it'll provide lots of excitement and kind of birdies or, you know, drama and thrills? We've, we've three days of like the top 64 players more or less uh, in the world battling it out against each other to come top of their group and get to the knockout stages. Will Wednesday, Thursday, Friday be like brilliant and then on into the weekend the drama of the knockouts? Well, I, I, that's the thing I was wondering about the rough. I don't think they're going to make it too difficult because they want to see birdies. Uh, but I think the course, um, I don't think it's overly long. I think it's about 7,200 yard, 7, yards. And I, I, I wouldn't say they'll play at full length. The greens, for whatever reason around here, like every afternoon, more or less, it's 22 to 27, 28 degrees. Well, actually, that's here. Up in, up in San Francisco, it sometimes is a bit colder, actually. But 
the greens are going to be very soft. Not very soft. They will be soft. And they never play firm, even though California is experiencing a drought at the moment. So I think with soft greens, if you're hitting the fairway, it'll be a green light for flags all the time. So I think we will see a good few birdies. And I don't think the course will play too long for the pros. Um, so I think it could be quite exciting. Um, and I think if, for people who miss greens, they're going to be faced with kind of tough chips. So there'll be a lot of good match play moments, I think. I uh, like the sound of that. Section greens, throwing darts into the bowls and having lots of birdie putts. It sounds like it's going to be a great week. Um, Should be. Yeah, great. Well, look, sure. Uh, we're extremely jealous of you uh, over in California and getting to go to see a WGC is surely top of the bucket list. So, um, yeah, I'm sure you're going to be sending us plenty of photos and photos in the Viber thread annoying us and making us extremely jealous. Yeah, you should get a few of uh, maybe practicing on the range and things like that I'll try and see if I can get stuff up on uh, Twitter as well yeah. uh, ask Donnelly B awesome awesome listen Bob thanks a million for that and uh, go off there back to your golf channel and enjoy soaking up uh, the run up to the WGC only just down the road from you talk to you soon thanks a lot Barry cheers Bob so that's uh, thanks a million to Bob it's great to hear how he's getting on in the States and uh you know, it's always nice to hear his input and, and, and what's going on on the ground over there. And hopefully it'll be the first of a few more over the course of the season. So I suppose moving on to next week's competitions and uh, the European Tour is taking a week off because of the WGC. But the ladies are in competition down at the Volunteers of America North Texas Shootout in uh, Irvine in Texas. And the current outright betting for this is Lydia Ko, unsurprising, is... The uh, the firm favorite at nine to two, Stacy Lewis, who's the defending champion, is eleven to two. In B Park, fifteen to two. Then we're looking at Sim Young Kim, twelve to one. Hojo Kim, fourteen to one. Nana Zhang, twenty five to one. Anna Northquist, twenty eight to one. Kirsty Kerr, twenty eight to one. Amy Yang, thirty three to one. Michelle Wee, 33 to 1. Morgan Pretzel from last week, 40 to 1. It's really surprising she's 40 to 1 after such a good shot last week, and her form's been pretty good recently. That's not a bad bet. Yeah, Lexi Thompson, um, 40 to 1. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some value there. As I say, slight problem is, and thanks to uh, the guy who tweeted us earlier telling us how he gets to watch the, uh, the mm. LPGA, we're going to try it hopefully this weekend to see if we can catch a bit more. Because we do want to kind of get a bit more involved in the LPGA than than perhaps just kind of telling people who won and what the, the odds are. So we're going to give that a go this week and that, see if we can get a good bit of uh, coverage of it. That was Paul Whelan with that um, Paul little Whelan. tip on how to get to us. So thanks very much for that. It's only, it only involves a few different steps to yeah, sneak through the internet to get us. And we're, we're going to definitely give that a go. Uh, Barry, who's much more of a whiz on these computers, is going to hopefully set it up for us and uh, we'll be able to give a better input into the LPGA so I suppose look the, the, the really big one is it's a, it's the second of the WGCs it's the Cadillac match play in TPC Harding Park in San Francisco California Jason Day defends and uh, this is a different uh, format than last year and this is the Victor de Buisson Jason Day event from last year isn't that right where he played it under the bush over the tree around the corner and uh, through cactus through cactuses yeah. and all the rest but it's it's a very different format this is this is a new yeah. way of seeing how it goes so Barry you've had a look at this and just outline to the listeners what uh, what the format is well, I'd say everybody's quite familiar with it at the moment but um, what they've kind of gone they've kind of adopted the World Cup you know the Football World Cup approach so they've got the golfers into groups so there's 16 groups of four they each play each other you know one match so it's a round robin style and the winner of each group then goes through to the knockout stages and I think they were pretty much ranked 1 to 64 isn't that yes, roughly yeah, uh, to, to world ranking One to the top seeds 1 to 16 each went into a separate group but beyond that the other guys were just randomly drawn out of okay, the pot okay. and then filtered into the group so you did get some groups that were a little bit tougher than others you know Rory McIlroy's group was uh, seems to be the hardest on paper and they have the lowest kind of combined world ranking Um it's, look, I think this is great. This is a really good idea. I mean, match play is a brutal format. Uh, you know, before you had a really good day, you know, the first day, which was uh, 32 matches and 32 guys go home. 
but the pros don't you know they don't fly say somebody flies all the way from Europe to, to go to the event they could fly there for one day and be gone or you could come up against somebody on a really really hot day and they could shoot a crazy score against you and you're gone whereas this this kind of gives a chance for the cream of the crop to rise to the top um, I'm not going to continue that song lyrics yes. <laughs> Barry the resident rapper yeah no. uh... the other thing I love about this is that we now have uh, if my calculations are correct 112 matches to watch versus 64 in the previous format so we get three days of watching 32 head to head battles you know on Wednesday Thursday Friday before we get to the the, round, the knockout stages on the weekend I'm I'm loving this and I and I think the pros are as well because most of them, most of the guys who are qualified for it are here. You know, Phil Nicholson has withdrawn, citing personal reasons. Um, we haven't heard anything else other than that as to why he's withdrawn. But generally, out of the top 64, they haven't had to go too much further outside the top 64 to fill the spots. So that shows that the pros are really on board with this. And they like the course change. They probably like that it's a bit later in the year. There's no snow like there was in the desert mm-hmm. last year for half an hour. And... You know, as you heard from Bobby, the course is going to make it quite interesting for match play. He thinks it's going to be be really exciting. Well, yeah, I, I think the format, the change of the format is a very good idea. I think you're absolutely right. The pros clearly do like it. Um, I think for the spectators, it's great because, you know, you might find somebody, as you say, might hit their form, you know, at the beginning of the week, find themselves through to a quarterfinal, semifinal, and can, you know, really just grind out a couple of... Uh, close matches and get through where perhaps these guys like the world number one could be gone pretty quickly and that's just a waste of time for for him so i think it's a it's a good format and just i suppose to give the the, the betting and uh there's a uh, four places being paid out in paddy power so i suppose semi-finals is what you're hoping for for these guys mm. but uh rory mcelroy 10 to 1 not surprising jordan speeds again not surprising 10 to 1 jason day 16 to 1 Henrik Stenson eighteen to one, uh, Dustin Johnson twenty to one, Justin Rose twenty two to one, Patrick Reed twenty five to one could be a good shout with all his uh, in, involvement in the Ryder Cup. How much he loves this this type of format. Matt Kuchar twenty five to one, Jim Furyk twenty five to one, Adam Scott twenty eight to one, Paul Casey twenty eight to one, Bubba Watson a long way back down at twenty eight to one, Sergio thirty to one, Matsyama thirty to one, Ian Poulter the postman. Uh, 33 to 1 and then kind of going out Gray McDell 40 to 1 Jimmy Walker 40 to 1 Keegan Bradley 50 to 1 Martin Keimer 50 to 1 and uh, last year's runner up Victor Dubuisson 66 to 1 so there's good and Shane Lowry sorry I should give Shane Lowry a, a shout as well 80 to 1 there and um, mm. So it's 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 going to be competitive. It's going to be interesting. You know, you could make a claim for quite a lot of these guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could make a case for a lot of guys this week. You know, the more or less top sixty-four golfers in the world, like didn't get there by accident. They're all excellent golfers, and they could just have a great week and go through. I think it's going to be really difficult to pick a winner in such a unusual format when it comes to the professional game. They only play match play more you know, and tournament once a year. So I'd love to. We'd all know. I'd love to see more match play throughout the year, like three or four events, because it's so prevalent in the amateur game and just seems to disappear in the pro game. Bar this and the Ryder Cup and the Volvo World Match Play in in the UK. Um, so it's just hard to guess or pick who's going to go great this week. With that said, um, that's never stopped me before. Yeah. So, well, who are you looking at? I Henrik have, Stenson, surprise, surprise. I, yeah, I don't know, he's a bit short and odds for me, but I might kind of pick him up in his head to head matches along the way. He's lost twenty pounds in the last since January in weight. He because, lost you a lot more than that. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um he got he got all he had the flu of the masters, his kids got the vomiting bug, and of course he got that as well. So he's been uh he's been kind of ravaged by illnesses the last few weeks. I am going to. I've put some money on Ryan Moore, uh, who had a bit of a stellar match play career as an amateur. You know, won the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Public Links a couple of times. He seemed, he loves playing over on um, the West Coast. Won there back in November. Some good form recently, and he's kind of a real gritty battler, um, which you can want in a tough format like this. I have also put a little speculative punt on Brandon Grace, who's out at a... I got him on Betfair, actually, in the exchange in the 170s. So hopefully he can nip through his group, which is a tough one now, I must admit. But that's why you kind of grab these speculative odds and see what happens. 
Well, I think the uh, the thing is that um, there's something to be said and an argument to be said for guys who actually come through a tough group, battle their way through, you know, have to go down to the wire, have to go down, you know, maybe one up or going down the 18th, that actually it's easy, it's better for them to be kind of match competitive fit for the, the, the later rounds rather than necessarily just sauntering through mm. at like five and fours and six and six and fives where you know that's not going to get them ready for for the real competitive tough match play tournament and um, that's going to inevitably happen over the course of the weekend it's a grueling weekend you know you're looking at 36 holes each day if you want to go on to you know get to the final or at least the semi-final you're going to be playing 36 holes because it'll be in the final or the third and fourth place playoff yeah like like someone like Shane Lowry at 80 to 1 might not be the worst speculative uh, punt he likes match play it's a one-on-one and uh, you know people have earmarked him as a player that one day will play in the Ryder Cup and will probably dominate in the Ryder Cup but I do think that you need to look at guys who have had the experience of perhaps Ryder Cups or President Cups and kind of events like that that because it is a very different format it isn't about going out and shooting 69 it's about going and shooting in effect one better than your opponent on every hole and uh, you know it's not going to be the guy who goes and is able to drive at 390 yards and then not do anything thereafter it's the guys who can put in the pressure sometimes actually being further back and getting it really close look at Jamie Donaldson at the Ryder Cup that idea may not be the longest but I'll stitch it close and put it up to you and, mm. and the pe- pressure builds so it's going to be a really interesting week um, you know it is so unusual to get this type of format um, on the on both the European and the US tour that it's just it's nice to watch it's different I'm um, really excited for this um, it was a great week of kind of match play everything for me unfortunately I lost my own singles match play yesterday but it was a nice team for the week and I can't wait to just settle down now in the next after recording here and just indulging in watching 32 battles going on between the top players in the world yeah and uh, I suppose just look on that note uh, thanks a million for everybody listening Barry thanks a million for for your contributions Bob for his contributions from the States if you want to get in contact with us at podcast GTS is the Twitter handle the Gmail is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com get onto iTunes if you like what you've heard get on give us a review give us five stars and uh, tell your friends about it if you're playing this weekend Enjoy it. If you're watching it, enjoy it. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, man. Well, goodbye. Bye-bye.